Welcome to Good News Hendo. It's so good to have you with us. Uh, As we've said many times on this podcast, we just want to give you some good news. There's a lot of good things going on in the world. There's a whole lot of things that are good going on right here in our beautiful Henderson County. And we just want to highlight those things, tell you what good's going on, and give you an opportunity to hear the story and to be a part of the story if you wish. We really believe that all this good news is something you can get involved in to make a difference in Henderson County. Really excited to have uh, Jeff Miller with us today. Jeff, thanks for coming on the Good News Hendo podcast. I couldn't be happier. Uh, we're just great thing to be a part of. We're glad to have you. Jeff and I have never really had the opportunity to sit down and talk. We have... Uh, met a couple times i'll tell you the first time i met you and you're probably too humble to receive this well the first time i knew who you were i was sitting in a restaurant and i was having breakfast somewhere i think it was over at five points sitting in five points having a meal and i was with somebody and you went up to a veteran and you told them that you really appreciated what they did and you bought their breakfast and i thought (laughs) Every chance uh, I get, I do that. Yeah, that's incredible. It's a great opportunity. Well, that wasn't the last time I saw you do that a couple times, and I I don't remember. I saw your face maybe on social media, maybe somewhere, and I said, "That's Jeff Miller." I'd heard so much about you. Jeff uh, was telling me, and I didn't know this before that his grandfather founded Miller's Dry Cleaning downtown mm-hmm. in 1915. So it's probably right. the oldest family operating business still going in Henderson County, at least one of the oldest in Henderson County. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly one of them. Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it keeps going. Oh, uh, man. Yeah. Uh, it's the, been a good ride, though. Uh, absolutely. Um, and, and I just love your heart, sir, and the uh, love you have for this community. Demonstrated in so many ways. You can see it on your sign. You drive by and you see you highlighting community events. I just appreciate the way you uh, have loved Henderson County uh, for a long, long time. Hard not to love this place. It's, Isn't that the uh, truth? It's very, it just kind of wraps you, its arms around you. And yeah. if you screw that up, it's your own fault. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what we're here to talk about today, Jeff, Jeff has been working with the Blue Ridge Honor Flights for quite a few years now. And uh, I've seen it on social media and heard about it for years. Uh, Jeff, could you tell us a little bit about the mission just of the the Honor Blue Ridge Honor Flights? It started, I think you said, as Honor Air. That's correct. Mm -hmm. Back in uh, 2006, I approached uh, a strong group of friends and told them that uh, I had this idea. was inspired by a gentleman that's a very good friend of mine now named Earl Morse. I'd read about him. He was from Ohio. And... He's a pilot, and he was also a um, working as a uh, physician's assistant, assistant in a VA. And most of his patients were World War II veterans. And this was 2005 is when the World War II veteran, uh, World War II mem- uh, Memorial in D.C. opened. Uh, this is 59 and a half years after the end of the war. And he started asking his patients if they were going to get to go see the memorial. They said they'd love to, but it's too far to go. Couldn't get there. They were, at that time, you know, 80s. Mm-hmm. And so Earl and his dad were both pilots, little planes, and they started flying a couple of them at a time. And I read a story about him, thought it was neat. And uh, at the time, my mother was really sick. She is all in the wraps of Alzheimer's and couldn't even think about doing anything at that point. But she passed away in uh, 2006, um, and I was 
started going through their things and found out that they were charter members of the World War II Memorial. Mm. I was too. My dad was a World War II veteran. Mom lost a brother in World War II. He's a B-24 pilot and real patriotic family. Uh, and I just thought it was really sad that they never got to see it either. And had this crazy idea that I'll just charter a big jet and fly all their friends that were still alive, and they were numerous in you know, 2006, and all the other World War II veterans living in this county up to D.C. And I circled it up with my friends, and we started talking about it, and they didn't think I was crazy. And we agreed to give it a try, and we started looking for a place to charter a jet, which is kind of funny when you clean clothes for a living and you're calling people and you're wanting to charter a 737 or an <laughs> Airbus 321 or something like that. You, know, you get some really funny looks and no return calls. So <laughs> we eventually, uh, with the help of uh, then-Senator Apodaca, he gave us a contact with U.S. Airways. We made a phone call uh, to a gentleman named Chuck Allen and told him what we wanted to do. And I remember it's a line I used a lot, and this was the second place I used it. first place I used it was the editor of the Times News at the time, Bill Moss. I told him the same thing, but in talking with Chuck, I said, look, I want to charter a jet. And he says, are you a travel agent? And I said, no. He goes, are you a broker or anything? I said, no. I said, I could, I'm a, in the dry cleaning business. And there was dead silence. And I said, Chuck, tell me this. Were your, either of your parents World War II veterans? And he goes, my dad was. I said, well, do you think your dad deserves to see the memorial that was built for his service and it was 59 and a half years later. Does your dad deserve to see it? And it was just a little quiet, and he says, I'll call you back. And we had a call back, and we chartered uh, first one jet for uh, September 23rd. And then when we went to the Times News and we're talking with Bill Moss, and we told him the same story, and he was like, you know, I can do a little story. And, we asked him to do a big one and asked him the same question. It turned out his dad was a World War II veteran, and his dad actually flew with us finally. And when he, was, when he passed away, um, he was cremated wearing his Honor Flight T-shirt, Honor Air T-shirt. Wow. That's what he wanted to go in. And so that meant a lot just no doubt. down the road. But, you know, so many times I just threw it out there because there were 16 million uh, from here that wore the uniform in World War II from the you United know, States involved in that. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them came from North Carolina. And we touched a lot of, of hearts by simply saying they all deserve to see it that are here. And it worked real well for us. So on uh, September 23rd, we did our first flight. We filled up that one so quickly we turned right around and flew back up the next day. And then we flew again in November. And we did like 19 flights out of here that first phase and then we started flying some out of greenville with them because we didn't have world war ii veterans enough of them at that point after almost 20 flights and then we stopped for a little while and started just working with homeless veterans 
and then we picked it back up full scale in 16 and we flew under the new name of Blue Ridge Honor Flight because Earl and I created a bigger network in February of 2007. We created, his, his was Honor Flight, we were Honor Air. We created what is now called the Honor Flight Network. And now there's 130 different hubs, which are what we are, that are groups that fly in 42 states. And we've flown right out a quarter million veterans. That is incredible. How does a, how does an idea that pops into your head like that turn into this major part of your life? Am I overstating it by when I see the passion you have for this, this feels like a big part of your life. Yeah, it's, it's you know, other than your family, it's the best part. Uh, no two ways about it. It's the most flawless thing I've ever been involved in. But how it becomes something is by me surrounding myself with really good, smart people with this mm. equal passion. And all we do in reality is create opportunity for people to do something good. And I firmly believe there's a lot more good people out there than bad people. Yes, sir. But they don't know really what to do, how to help. And when you create something like you guys create so many opportunities for people to engage. And that's all we did. We created something really good and we kept trying to make it better. And when people became involved in it and brought in pieces that maybe we missed, it, it kept getting better. And it's done nothing but get better. But, you know, it, it's, it was something needed. And this country loves its veterans. It loves the military. There's some noisy, mouthy people that, you know, maybe don't. But we just drown out their noise. There's so many more that do. Yeah, we just drown out their noise. That's and, incredible. And, and just show them how we feel. <clears throat> it's good stuff. Verse came to mind when you said that. The Bible says overcome evil by doing good. Overcome evil go. with good. The good is much louder than the evil. Yeah. We just let it happen. And it's like I told you when we were first talking. It, it's about honor and healing. Mm. Mm. <coughs> Excuse wow. me. Oh, no problem. I imagine you have some pretty cool stories of veteran. What is veterans seeing? What is it like? What's some of your experiences <coughs> of, of stepping into that yeah. World War II memorial? I've been there before, but I've never been with a group of veterans. I've seen a few there, and and now you're dealing with a lot of Vietnam veterans at the memorial there. What's it like? What are some stories you may have of experiences there? Oh my gosh, we could go on for hours. There's yeah. the World War II veterans when they're there. You know, there are some emotional moments. <clears throat> the Wall of Stars for the over four hundred thousand that that died. Uh, but it's like a big reunion is mm. what I've noticed because they were big into reunions, mm. and so they get up there with a thousand other veterans. And they're looking at each other's tags or lanyards they wear to see where they were, how they served. And, uh, you know, they're chatting it up, arms around each other. They're walking straight. You know, they're excited. And that's that experience. Korean War veterans, you know, they're saddled with they didn't win. But if you go talk to the South Korean government and the people in South Korea, they darn sure won. Uh, the 11th strongest economy in the world. They're just, 
they've done so many good things. They've mm-hmm. freed that country. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they were forgotten. They weren't mistreated. They just were ignored, a lot of them. It's called the Forgotten War. Yeah. We show them they're not forgotten, mm-hmm. that what they did mattered and is appreciated. The Korean government, the South Korean government, actually met us there when we were really flying heavy uh, with Korean War veterans. There weren't near as many. And they would meet us there and put these medals around our veterans' necks made from melted barbed wire from the DMZ dipped in gold. Wow. They're beautiful. And you should see these veterans' faces light up. Uh, They're being recognized for making a huge difference. Mm. You know, all of those people that live in South Korea are free because of sacrifices they made. Mm. Because had we not been there, they would be a part of North. They'd just be Korean. It would all be communist. Mm. So it's a big deal there. They're just quieter. Uh, there's not as many of them. Then you go to the Vietnam veterans who were basically forced to live in the shadows. They were so mistreated, mislabeled. Uh, most of them were drafted, had to go, did what they were asked to do. It was war. And bad things happen. And they came back and were told not to wear their uniforms. If you came in on the West Coast, usually you were subjected to, you know, being spit on, things thrown at you, called names. So they didn't get a welcome home at all. They they got to get in and out as quick as you can. And then they you didn't never see them wearing a hat. <clears throat> you didn't never see them having reunions. None of that. They stayed in the shadows, and they dealt with um, PTS. You know, it was PTSD is what it's been called, but now it's relabeled as PTS. And, you know, some of them went to the VA. Many of them didn't. And what happened to them really kept it from it probably ever happening again because so many people saw how unjust that was and wrong. So the the more current veterans, the veterans that were part of the uh, war on terror and everything, they don't get that kind of junk. Right. They're received in a much better way. There's still issues that need to be better. But the Vietnam veterans, still, there's 22 veterans that commit suicide every day, average. Big part of them are still Vietnam veterans. And when you look at that, that's just so incredibly wrong. But when they fly with us, first time for most of them to be in a big group of Vietnam veterans. There are some exceptions, but for the most part, no. And the the first flight we had that was really predominantly Vietnam veterans, we had a delay going out of Asheville because fog of three hours. Well, I was fit to be tied. And I thought it was the worst thing that ever happened to us. But what I found out in that process was all these veterans started talking to each other because it's the first time they'd really been in a group other than the pre-flight meeting that we always do. But there's no real chance for interaction at that because everything is, is about what to expect in the flight in the day in D.C. But these guys for three hours started talking and bonding. And they were... Yeah, we were shorted three hours on, you know, on the ground in D.C., but the relationships 
that they created during that time were so important after the fact oh yeah that we started going okay we have to we'll do a pre-flight but we're also going to have a big social event before the flight so they can know each other and you and i had spoken once before some of them come back and do bible studies in their homes these folks had never left their house other than to go to work and home and i know this from the families talking to me um they they started these groups where they get together and they just all talk and they help with the younger veterans that are also experiencing some of the things that they did from what happened in their time in service you see all these different things opening up and when they hit the airport and this is where we're going to work closely with you guys is the thing that I, I have no real control over is getting people to show up at the airport to greet them when they come home after their day of honor in Washington. And nothing's more important than what they see when they come off that plane. And the last time we came off is in 2019. There was somewhere close to 2,000 people at the Asheville airport. I mean, you needed a shoehorn to get people in there. And obviously COVID is impacted. We couldn't fly after that. And I don't know what, you know, the, the regulations, the protocol will be in, in April. But I feel certain it'll be better than it is now. And we can, we just did one in Greensboro, their first flight in 10 years. And they had probably a thousand people show up there to welcome these veterans home. And when they come around the corner and they see all these flags and people clapping for them and uh, kids just hugging them and, you know, they look at each other like they don't understand it. And then you see them crying. And, you know, it's not, it's not bad tears. These are real healthy tears. And I make every one of them stop and shake my hand before they go into the crowd, but I want them to see the crowd. And I hold them so they can't get in a big pile and go through it together. I want them to experience it themselves. I want them to have that individual honor. So we as a group, which I have the most amazing group around me uh, since day one, we all kind of funnel them and flow through with them and make sure they get to experience that gauntlet of emotion and it's the coolest thing to watch. Uh, it's, it's just the best. And that's where I really hope we can always count on you guys to put the word out. Yes, sir. We're getting it out now. Uh, if, if I'm listening to this podcast, I, I'm like, sign me up, Jeff. When do I show up? What are the dates? They're coming back sure. here. Coming April, up soon. April 23rd. Okay. April May 21st. April Those are 23rd. Saturdays. So we, we, we try to fly on a Saturday when there's not all the business traffic and everything in Washington. And the airport's not quite as busy. Our Asheville airport's so busy now. They've done such a great job there. But the Asheville airport has just been over backwards to make us a part of that family. And uh, we've been blessed by them since day one. I'm just imagining a, a Vietnam veteran who did not really get a welcome home. I've heard so many stories. I was a, a kid then at best, you know, I was a young child, and I've heard so many stories of, of them 
not only not getting a welcome, but getting dishonor coming home. Just imagine them walking off that plane and finally getting that welcome after 55 years, 50 years. I like to say we can't make the bad memories go away, but we can stack really good fresh ones on top, and it really helps. I mean, it's everything's kind of like your last memory. You know, that's kind of how your day goes. If you've had a really good day and something really bad happens at the end of it, you really usually think it was a really rotten day. But we try to just make sure that their entire day uh, in Washington is, is fun. Number one, we don't make anybody do, like if a Vietnam veteran didn't really, and we've had this happen, didn't have, didn't feel like going down to the wall was the best thing for their mental health. We go walk around, look at Lincoln, go over to the Korean War Memorial. You know, we take them down and they can just see it and see, because the, the Vietnam War Memorial is, is the quietest place in the district. I mean, the other memorials, people are talking and everything. When you're at the wall, it's, it's always a whisper. And the names are all on the wall. And it's almost like they're looking at you, you know, they're, and they're touching them and they're remembering them. We had a guy with the Greensburg group that uh, he had 32 friends on that wall. I've never been with anybody that had, and they were all people that he lost when he was there. And I just, I just can't comprehend that hardly. But, and when we were first doing it a lot of vietnam veterans would be guardians which a guardian on these trips is someone that assists the veterans Uh, they just make sure everything they need is taken care of keeping them hydrated uh, being careful around any kind of things that can make you fall going up the steps into the buses and everything we had um, a vietnam veteran that had two World War II veterans that he was a guardian for them. And we're walking around that World War II memorial and they're yucking it up, having a good time. And then we went over to the uh, Vietnam Veterans Memorial. And I looked down there and I wasn't ready for this. And the two World War II veterans were under the Vietnam war veterans arms there holding him up while he was touching the names of some of the friends he had lost i wasn't ready for that one but it was beautiful and boy after that if a vietnam veteran asked to go on as a guardian they always went front wow and we do that now with the uh, contemporary veterans if they want to go as a guardian you know they go free they don't pay Hmm. and we put them right in with a couple of the vietnam guys and uh it's a it's a great day for all of them great day for us and you just don't know where it goes afterwards you know it's it's not about a a one-day event it's about a relationship i had never considered that and i'm so glad you brought that out I, I told you if you led me, we'll end up in some good places. We're in some great places. <laughs> Man, what an idea that was given to you. And you just said, I'm going to do some good. And look what it's developed into all over the country. 42 yeah. states now mm-hmm. do this. Yep. And 
that's incredible. Thank you for just being available for that great idea and, oh. and just being willing to step into a need there. It's like I said, other than family, you better say that always if you want to go home. Uh, sure. It's been the, the most fabulous thing and most flawless thing I've ever been involved in in my life. And I'm so thankful to those original people that, you know, I sat down with my best friend Dave Adams was the first guy I talked to and he he told me I wasn't crazy and you know we we spread it out from there Mike Murdoch what a wonderful guy veteran service officer here in this this county we just all circled the wagons and kept talking and kept building off of the idea and we knew if we did it right it would have a chance of catching on and we knew it was had a good shot when CBS called us and a gentleman named Bill Geist Sunday morning news who was also in Vietnam went with us came into town first and told the stories of the veterans that was the thing I had other networks hitting me for doing something but they were wanting to focus maybe more on us as opposed to to our, our mission and Bill Geist got it because he had been in combat yeah. and seen it and he spent three or four days in Hendersonville interviewing the World War II veterans and the stories he got out of them and what he shared that Sunday morning because we'd gone up he he did the first flight on Saturday with us and then we were right back up on Sunday and he did the story on Sunday morning so I wasn't even around, but my poor wife was at home, and we had a listed number back then, and the phone started blowing up, <laughs> started getting email. We had over 300 uh, solid calls to return and emails to return and stuff because Bill told the story so well, and uh, it caught on, and uh, Earl, they, ABC did a story on Earl, and we had already been in collaboration prior to that. In fact, Earl met us on our first flight that Saturday. I asked him to come up, and he met us there. And it was the first time he and I ever got to really physically meet each other. And he'd shared a lot of information, been very helpful for me. And uh, we're still, we still talk a lot. He's, uh, he's actually ministering also. And, but we just, we connected and it, it connected with people. Again, it was a it was a great opportunity, and people didn't let me down. It, it's it's that gift that keeps on giving. We say. Oh man, it's going on. We're gonna wrap up, but I want to ask you a couple questions really quick so that people can get involved. If if I know or someone listening knows a veteran <laughs> that needs to get up there to see one of these memorials, and they do. Uh, what should they do? Okay, uh, World War II, uh, Korean War, Vietnam War. Really, I would encourage any veteran that would like to be a part of that to go to Blue Ridge Honor Flight, blueridgehonorflight.com, download a veteran uh, application, fill it out, mail it to the address that's there, um, and then we'll, we'll go from there. Any veteran that is dealing with a terminal illness I want to know about that and we move them up uh, we call it TLC their last chance and we're excited about helping them um, 
also guardians, folks like ourselves that um, if you're a veteran and you'd like to be a guardian, go to that same site, blueridgeonorflight.com, and uh, download the guardian application. If you just want to volunteer and help, if you want to get the newsletter, there's all kind of opportunities at the website to do it if you want to donate. Uh, $600 is what we've factored in. We'll sponsor a veteran. The true cost is more than that, but we deal with it. Uh, that's a great way of helping. But also, April 23rd, May uh, 21st, be at Asheville Airport. Get there about 7, 7.30. They put on quite a, an event. And watch these veterans come home and be a part of welcoming them back from not just necessarily Washington, but from their service overseas when they were there. You know, give them a good new memory. Thank you so much, Jeff. It's been an honor to have you here today on this podcast, and I just think a lot of good is going to come out of this time together. I think our listeners are going to respond and honor these men and women, uh, many of them whose honor is long overdue. Well, I appreciate you uh, sharing our story and all the other things that, that you and all of your your family here do. Thank you. Uh, it's, it's great stuff. Everybody needs a good story. Thank you.